Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. As they continue to, again, believe that, yes, I am Jewish. I am now fulfilled in my Judaism by becoming a Christian. But Judaism was still vastly, vastly important to them. But a major change is now getting ready to take place. Catch this. It's not because the Jewish Christians wanted the change, but it was because God knew it that, that if their quiet little world was, wasn't shaken, the hope of the gospel would have never left Judaism. It would have stayed right there. It's very easy to allow yourself to grow complacent when you are in a comfortable place in your life. The children of Israel fell into idolatry and all sorts of sin when everything seemed to be going good in their lives. It was when difficult times came that they repented and turned their focus back to the Lord. Today, Pastor David will be exhorting you to live a pleasing lifestyle to the Lord during difficult times as well as when you are blessed and everything's going smooth. You should always keep your focus on the Lord. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 11 as he begins his message, Difficult Times for Kingdom Purposes. in the last half of chapter 11 of the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 11, looking at the last portion of it. Now, we've already found out that as Luke is writing here in the book of Acts, he, he uses, we shared a couple of weeks ago, he uses that conversion of uh, Cornelius. You remember Cornelius, that Roman centurion, that, that Gentile there in chapter 10. Luke actually uses that through the leading of the Holy Spirit. This becomes a primary uh, pivotal point of changing from the preaching of the gospel and the growth of the church to be primarily Jewish to now begin including the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it's at this point where the emphasis of the gospel begins impacting the Gentiles as well as the Jews, but even more so as we move on in the book of Acts, everything kind of shifts to the Gentiles. It's from this point forward. We see primarily Gentiles that are coming to a saving knowledge of the Savior. And particularly as soon as Luke begins covering the ministry of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle that was called to the ministry of the Gentiles. And as we've shared several times in, in, in this whole study here in the book of Acts, that it was up until this point, remember, it was Jewish converts that were in the church. Jewish Christians made up the 98, 99% of the church that we know at this point in time. But since the church was primarily made up of Jews who had come to that saving knowledge that Jesus Christ was truly their Messiah, the hope of Israel, the church had continued to, to look 
to uh, worship, to act very much Jewish. There wasn't a whole lot of difference there. Yes, they were meeting also on the first of the week, Sunday mornings coming together, but we also know that they were still involved in the synagogues as they continued to, again, believe that, yes, I am Jewish, I am now fulfilled in my Judaism by becoming a Christian, but Judaism was still vastly, vastly important to them. But a major change is now getting ready to take place. Catch this, it's not because the Jewish Christians wanted the change. But it was because God knew it, that, that if their quiet little world was, wasn't shaken, the hope of the gospel would have never left Judaism. It would have stayed right there. Now we've seen this transition happening as we've come through this first 10, 11 and a half, uh, uh, about 10 and a half uh, chapters of Acts. We've seen this transition beginning to happen. But right now we're going to look and God is about to blow the doors off of this. And we're going to find that not everybody is going to be happy with the changes. Change took place partially due to the persecution that came upon the church. Remember back when Stephen was stoned, back in chapter 8, and we, uh, Luke tells us that after his stoning, a great persecution came. And we find that, again, the disciples, were, or that the, the disciples of Jesus were spread out, but the apostles stayed there in Jerusalem. It was during that same time that, that Philip is led by the Holy Spirit to go down to Samaria, and as he ministers to the Samaritans, these half-Jews, half-Gentiles uh, begin coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. And so from that, he calls back to, make, sends a text message real quick up to Jerusalem, says, look, I, I, I've got Samaritans that are coming to the Lord. What are we going to do? And so Peter and John, the two apostles, they go from Jerusalem down to Samaria, and they begin ministering to them there. And once again, bringing the hope of the gospel to those that were half-Jew, half Gentile. Then in chapter 10, we read, and we were there for a couple of weeks, how Peter had gone to the home, the house of this man by the name of Cornelius, this Roman soldier, this very much a, a Gentile. And once again, he hears the gospel. This Gentile becomes a believer in Jesus Christ as his Savior, as his Redeemer, not only him, but all of his household, friends, relatives that he had invited there during that time. Now we have a Gentile who is a believer in Christ, as well as a host of other people that were there that day when, again, Peter was able to minister the truth of the hope of the gospel. But God wasn't finished. God's plan continues to reach out. He's going to continue to reach out literally to what you and I would call the lost of the lost. Not just Jews, not just half Jew, half Gentile. His plan is reaching out even beyond those that the, the, the word says they're God-fearing Gentiles like Cornelius was. No, his plan is actually going to be reaching out to the pagan of the pagans, those who neither knew God nor had a fear of God. And what we see is God is going to be using the process of, of persecution to drive his evangelists, his pastors, his teachers, his disciples to the very lands where the vast majority of the people were vile, they were pagan, and they were idol worshipers. That's where we're at. We're in Acts chapter 11, down in verse 19, if you'll join with me there. Acts 11, verse 19. 
Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word, catch this, to no one but the Jews only. But some of them who were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Some of those driven out of Jerusalem because of the persecution. Luke tells us that they ended up in the area or the land of Phoenicia, and uh, that's, that's the land that we know as Lebanon today. We could show it on maps, but I'm not as concerned about their physical location as, as, as I want you to understand their, their, their spiritual state, the spiritual environment of these places. It was there in Phoenicia. That's where Tyre and Sidon were. Uh, it was there back in the Old Testament where Hiram was the one who supplied the cedars of Lebanon, if you remember, to King David as King David was building his uh, palace. And then later on to Solomon as Solomon built his palace and then later on the temple. It was from the area of Lebanon or Phoenicia, which it's now called in the New Testament, that, uh, that these things came from. Uh, the Phoenicians were also, they were great craftsmen as well as some of the greatest sailors of their day. Well, there was also uh, the area of Phoenicia where a, a woman comes into the biblical history, a woman by the name of Jezebel. Does that ring a bell with anyone? Uh, don't name your daughter Jezebel, please. You can name your cat Jezebel, that's okay, but uh, had to stick it to the cats one more time. Okay. <laughs> Jezebel, when she came and she married Ahab, who was the king of the northern kingdom, uh, uh, the kingdom of Israel, when Jezebel married Ahab, she brought with her the Baal worship from the area of Phoenicia. And then Ahab and Jezebel, they had an offspring, a daughter who ended up marrying the king of the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. His name was Jehoram. And as their daughter marries Jehoram, guess what? She brings the Baal worship down into the southern kingdom the impact of that. Now, when we move on into the New Testament, we find that Phoenicia, the surrounding areas, all of this was taken over by the Greek empire and then later by the Roman empire. And with the rise of those different empires there, the religion of the area moved more in focus with that huge collection of gods and goddesses that come from the Greek cults. In reference to the gods and the goddesses that were worshiped by the Phoenicians during that first century, uh, let me quote uh, from Baker's Encyclopedia of the Bible. They write there that on the female side, there was really only one deity worshipped in all the cities. The mother and fertility goddess Ashtart, or Ashtarte, or in the Hebrew, Ashtoreth, the Babylonian Ishtar, all the same. And she was regarded as the mother of all gods and man, as well as plants. Promiscuity characterized her conduct and religious prostitution was carried on in her name. Now that's the, that's, that's the heartbeat of Phoenicia. And now because of persecution, Christians are moving into Phoenicia. Next we see out in the Mediterranean Sea, an island some 50 miles south of the coastline of modern-day Turkey. Uh, it's about 70 miles out in the sea east of Phoenicia, and it's the island of Cyprus. 
It's interesting, Cyprus has an abundance of natural harbors, and because it has all of these harbors, ships from all over the known world would land at Cyprus. And because so many different countries, so many different languages, so many customs, so many different religions all came to Cyprus, Cyprus became this melting pot of so much. Now, there were even Jews that were there in Cyprus at that point, but from history, we know that there was very little Jewish influence that, ever, that was ever felt in Cyprus, at least at that point in time. Thirdly, Luke mentions that some of these persecuted Christians went to the city of Antioch. And again, we'll be looking more at Antioch a little bit later as we get on into the book of Acts. But it actually, Antioch itself actually becomes the center of the church later on, moving from Jerusalem up to Antioch. During the time frame we're looking at here in Acts 11, there was actually a lot of cities by the name of Antioch, but the Antioch that we're speaking about is the one that was called the Syrian Antioch, or even Antioch by the river Orontes. Uh, it's just a designation. It was located in the southeastern area of Turkey just north of Israel, Israel to Lebanon, then moving on up much further into Turkey, about 300 miles. It was built around 300 BC by a fellow named of Seleucus, Seleucus Nicator. Now, Seleucus was actually one of the four generals of Alexander the Great. And if you remember history, Alexander the Great died without having a, an heir for his kingdom. So all of his empire was split among his four generals. Seleucus is the one that comes here at this point in time, and he's actually the one who built Antioch, like I said, around 300 BC. And it became one of the most important uh, cities of Rome during its time. As a matter of fact, it was third in place of all the Roman cities, surpassed only by Alexandria down in Egypt and Rome itself. So that's how important Antioch was. And I want you to get an understanding of that. It was a beautiful, beautiful city. It was laid out in the classic Roman style with two main roads that dissected the whole city. One that went north-south, the other going east-west. That one that went north-south was called the Cardo Maximus. It comes from the Greek word where they get heart, cardia. You have a cardiac arrest, uh, the heart. Uh, the Cardo Maximus, the north-south street. And then the other main road going directly east-west. It's at the intersection of those two main roads where you would find in any major Roman city, wherever it was located, an area that was called the Forum, or you and I would look at it as the Marketplace. And at that Forum or Marketplace, right in the heart of the city, would be where a lot of different interactions would be taking place. Uh, there was all kinds of shops located in that area coming to it and away from it, as well as right there in the Marketplace. It was a place for personal rendezvous. Hey, let's meet together. Where do you want to meet? Well, let's, let's meet at the forum. Let's meet at the marketplace, and you could find each other there. There was all kinds of a place for coming together with meetings at that point in time, political discussions, debates. Uh, and, and, and in the midst of that marketplace and all around it, there was a multitude of statues to this variety of deities that the Romans worshipped. Deities, both male and female, everywhere you looked if you were in the area of the Forum. Now, when you head away from the Forum, not very far away, rather it be east or west or north or south, uh, you'll come face to face with a multiple of opportunities 
to take part in every form of depravity and wicked behavior known to man. The Roman streets, they were, they, they were kept impeccably clean. On the outside, it looked absolutely beautiful. But behind the scenes, the filth and the depravity of man was on open display. It was here in Antioch also where you'd find the temple of Apollo and the temple of Apollo was located in a little nature reserve that was dedicated to the goddess Daphne where again both women and men would go and they'd give way to all the temptations of wealth and pleasure not to mention the allure of these cults and cults of uh, Artemis and Apollo, and again, very, very fleshly oriented, such vileness. Another writer defines Antioch as a vile city with gross immorality and ritual prostitution as a part of its temple worship. Guys, I wanted to bring your attention to these three cities. These three, well, areas, one area, Phoenicia, an island, Cyprus, and now the city, Antioch. These are areas that, that Luke tells us that these persecuted Christians from Jerusalem, they dispersed to, and there was many in that area. I want you to understand the, the spiritual environment that these Christians were now being brought to, not because they wanted to go, but because of the greatness of the persecution back home. They had to go someplace. And they ended up in what you and I would call today hard soil, tough ground. But now, into these spiritual badlands, as hard, as vile as they were, into these lands comes the church. Jewish Christians fleeing persecution, but Luke is quick to let us know. They came for more of a purpose than just fleeing persecution. Luke tells us that they actually came and they were very faithful in preaching the word. But for them, in the midst of their own prejudice, we read that they're limited in their evangelistic efforts to the Jews only and to no one else. You're not like me. I'm not going to share the gospel with you. Oh, you're not like me either. I'm going to speak only to the people that are like me. I want to share the life-giving, eternal power of Jesus Christ. Oh, not with you, because you're different, but with you. You see that ingrown uh, that prejudice that was there, even in the early believers. It was the idea, we're, we're Jews. We've come to know Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah of Israel. And we're going to go and we're going to spread that news, but just to other Jews. But you know what? God's plan was much bigger. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God's plan is always bigger. I don't care how big our plans are. God, our God, isn't limited to prejudice. He's not limited to to ignorance of, of religious pride. Our God is a much bigger, much greater God. Luke makes it clear for us that some of those, though, that some of those that went here, they were actually from the island of Cyprus and from Cyrene. And there in in verse 20, he says, who, when they came to Antioch, they didn't just go to the Jews. Luke tells us, no, they, they spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, 
and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Now, uh, first of all, you need to understand that the word Hellenist, up until this point, when we've spoken of and when Luke writes and refers to Hellenist, it was Jews who had, in, in essence, adopted the Greek culture into their life. But there's a change here, and we find it within the context of all of what he's writing. Here, in chapter 11, the second half of chapter 11, uh, uh, the Hellenist actually designates Greek-speaking population of Antioch and, in essence, the Gentiles in general. Not the Jews who had gone with the Greek culture, but now we're talking about Gentiles in general. And we see that in the context of what happens here. Again, I believe that, that what we see here is that Possibly, we find some who were of the group of the Jewish Christians that went up to Antioch. I believe, personally, when I look at this, it seems so very clear that perhaps these Jewish Christians were actually Gentiles first. And they proselyted, they, they became Jews. And then when they heard the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they became Christians. They weren't just Jewish Christians. They were Jewish Christians who very possibly had been Gentile prior to that. To them, the contact with these other Gentiles, that wouldn't have been as odious as it would have been for someone who was raised up as a Jew and learned from the earliest of age, oh, you don't go around people like that. You don't deal with people like that. These guys were Gentiles before they became Jews before they became Christians. For them, there would have been a greater understanding that God can and does work and move in the lives of all people, of every tribe, of every tongue, of every nation. So for them, it was natural to go. It was natural for them to go and share the love of Jesus, yes, even with the Gentiles there in Antioch. And then, wouldn't you know it, God moves. In their obedience, God moves. And it says, Luke tells us here, that the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number, a great number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And that's the amazing, that's the powerful testimony of God's worldwide plan of evangelism. He does not limit the hope of the gospel to anyone, but it is open to all people. Even as the book of Revelation tells us, to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people. I believe those that were the Gentile converts to Judaism, they had already seen, they had already experienced the love, that redemption of God that cuts through all of the barriers, cuts across every, every wall that might be there, all the religion and all the prejudice. They've seen it. They were Gentiles before. They became Jews, accepted even within the Jewish community. Then they became believers, and they wanted to be able to share the hope that they had with other Gentiles at that point in time. When as a Jew, they discovered the truth of Jesus, they were then their conversion became complete. Interesting thing is we don't know the names of these guys. We don't know their names at all. You know, every once in a while, Luke will put in names of people. But no, there, there were others who were from the island of Cyprus and Cyrene. Oh yeah, they had also come. And they're the ones who began speaking with the Hellenists, or I believe the Gentiles. Don't you love it when you see God's plan coming together? When he starts working in ways that we can't even begin to imagine today, He's working his will, his purposes out. Open our hearts, change.
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-